RadioInfluence.com Hey everyone, and welcome to the Live Bold and Boss Up show. We cannot wait to dive into this week's conversation because our guest speaker today is a female tech exec who was a CEO of a UK-owned technology company by the time she was in her early 30s, people. Now in her current role as an executive focused on marketing and business development at CanTime, she is executing her vision to bring human focus innovation to a post-acute care providers. And we get to find out how she climbed to the top so quickly and as she did, you know, what her secret sauce was, is... Welcome to the show, Kristen Duell. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Thank you. We are so excited. I was so excited to talk with you, especially after our lunch a couple weeks ago. And just like, I don't know, speaking with you gets me like, like inspired and pumped. So, so excited to talk to you. Thank you. So how did you get to be CEO by your early 30s? How did you do it? You know... They, you, I'm sure everybody has heard the analogy or whatever it is that when one door closes, another one opens, or there's always an opportunity if you're looking for it. Um, and I think everybody agrees that that's probably pretty close to true, right? But the thing is, is how often do you actually walk through the door? How often do you really jump through the window? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you do it without knowing what's on the other side of it? Or do you try to guard and stop yourself? I think one of the things that have led to my success and my opportunity has been the fact that when I see an opportunity to be able to move up or move forward, I I don't hesitate. I ask myself a question, what's the absolute worst case scenario of what can happen? And I answer that question to myself and sometimes my husband. (laughs) And then if we can accept that, then we take that leap and we go for it. And so far it hasn't let me down and it's only created amazing opportunities and a tremendous amount of experience for myself. That's awesome. I feel like most of the time it's ourself and our own fear that holds us back from moving forward and getting what we want. Absolutely. Even talking to you guys, I'll be honest, um, like whenever we met at lunch and we were talking, I thought to myself, oh, have I been successful? Like, you know, like the vulnerability part of, you know, just accepting and owning your your power, owning what it is that you can do and not being afraid to, you know, I guess, share that with the world and share that with other people. It it makes you question yourself, but at the same time, it's something that can really help other people. So I love that. Yeah. How do you own your power? I know that was one of the questions that I wanted to dive in and ask you. And since you mentioned it already, you know, Talk to me about that. Like, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, what, what, how can we like articulate that to those that don't understand owning your own power? It's like, from, for me, it's that raw vulnerability, you know, and it's owning that raw vulnerability of who yourself, who you are. Like how many, how many women and men too out there, um, like question whether they're worthy of something or whether they're qualified for something or whether they deserve or should go after or whatever it is. And it is men too, um, just as much as it is women, but own that. Like I, I still have, I have that all the time, all the time. And I question that, but I don't let that own my mindset. I take that and I empower that into what I want 
to be my next step, what I want to be my next motivation, what I want to be my next action or where I'm going to go. Um, I own that vulnerability and I share it with the world because, you know, I might not be perfect and I'd make, oh my God, so many mistakes. But I learn from those mistakes. And if I share all of my mistakes with everyone or I'm at least open about it, then maybe other people can learn from it. And also, you can't use it against me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's that power of vulnerability and just really, it's just owning who you are and being unapologetic about being imperfectly perfect with yourself. Right. I love that. So you, did you feel initially that you were you were going to grow to that executive level when you started out so I never was going to accept mediocrity and if my dad was still here today he would tell you that's the truth I was never going to accept just being you know doing a job and check in check out and that's it I love what I do, like with all of my heart, with all of my passion. I love what I do. And I love being able to move up and learn new things and stretch my capabilities. So from the, I I can't even remember the youngest age, that I always knew I was going to shoot for the highest that I could ever shoot for. And I accepted, like as soon as I was saying, hey, I'm shooting for this level of success, if I make it to, say, a department head or whatever it is, I'm good and I'm happy, then I'll be good with that too. Just because I have this huge, big dream of becoming president of the United States, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I won't, you know, I'm not going to, I probably won't achieve that, although who knows with this political environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can write my name in. <laughs> I might not achieve that status, but I'm going to shoot for it so that I'm improving, I'm working on myself every single day. So when the opportunity actually came, I mean, honestly, I was like, oh, Um, and I said, no, I didn't accept it. Um, I didn't want it at first. It took a lot of rounds of negotiation before I actually accepted it. And some of the reasons I said no was because I was happy. Um, So I left can time to become a CEO. And then I quit being a CEO to go back to can time. Um, And that's, that's another story. (laughs) But I, um, like I reached that level of success. I negotiated and I I got to where I wanted to be with it, but I realized the definition of success for me changed. Right. That's so interesting. So whenever you were applying for the CEO role, did it change? Like, why did you say no? Or like what held you back from? So I didn't apply for it. Um, and I was just helping a friend out basically is the way that, the way that I like to put it is, a, a friend of mine was interested in acquiring a business and I was helping them engage in that through that opportunity. And through that engagement, um, I became positioned as a potential CEO for them. And although I didn't want that and I verbalized, I didn't want that. There's always that ego side of you. That's like, I think I, really <laughs> I think I do. So that's that's honestly how it came to fruition for me. That's crazy. That yeah. it, I mean, it was meant to be. It literally just happened the way that it was supposed to. That's a really big point. What's meant to be will be will happen. You know, mm-hmm. and that did that that all happened. And me leaving, you know, was a meant to be moment as well. So 
you could look at it as positives and negatives and ebb and flows. And I think that's a good lesson too, since you guys, you know, from a recruitment perspective is, you know, judging somebody on face value of a resume or what you deem as what the requirements are for a job position, man, like it, I get that you need to have guidelines. You know, listen, I'm a hiring manager at my at my current organization. I've been a CEO. You have to have guidelines and parameters in which to filter out all the different people that will be applying. But you could, by those different parameters, if you're not careful, you could eliminate opportunity of somebody that is like a diamond in the rough, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, have to, you have to say what you said earlier. We were talking about... Um, you know, be, obviously you're, you're in the tech space and there's some clients of ours that say, oh, you have to have, you know, 10 years of this technology when really the technology hasn't been around for so long. And then you mentioned something that was, I think, really important. Share that with everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, well, you're right. 10 years of technology experience and what? I mean, 10 years ago, the technology, like, are you talking about like, like the old technology that Nintendo, like <laughs> like Game Boy, like what kind of technology are you talking about? Are you talking about the new cool VR? You know, like what are you? So ten years of experience in the tech world, like you could be like a great grandfather by that time. And if you limit yourself to that type of experience, like I need to have ten years experience doing X Y Z, you could eliminate all these amazing resources for that. And the the thing is, is you can learn so quickly. Um, new technology in this tech industry, you know, like React Native and and all of the different things that are coming to fruition that are that maybe three or four years ago weren't even something that was being considered as a standard is now a standard. And it's almost, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but I mean, I guess I might, but (laughs) it's almost the lazy way to do it is by saying you have to have this 10 years of experience to do something when in reality, listen, guys, I didn't have a college degree. I don't have a college degree. And I did two years as a CEO. And you might say, well, she wasn't very successful at it because she quit and she left. Or I just determined what was going to be happy for me and what was going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So just because a resume says X, Y, and Z of experience level or job change, there's usually a lot deeper of a story that goes behind that. And you're doing your organization and your teammates a total disservice by not digging a little bit deeper into some of those. And I don't know if I repeated it back as concisely as what I said earlier, but... No, you did. You did. It was brilliant. I was like, yes, that that makes sense. It's a lazy way of interviewing, right? If you only look at, well, how many years of experience do you have with this? And what's your degree here? It's, And you, you said earlier, it it matters more about getting to know that individual and what they can really oh, contribute. What's mm-hmm. their capability for growth? I mean, so if you look at my experience level, like what I learned in the last two years, like I was talking to you guys, like who I was when I first met you. And who I am today, it's like a totally different person. And that's not to say that my morals and things like that have, you know, aren't the same. And, you know, the core principle of my personality and who I am isn't the same. But who I am from an experience level and who I am from just a human growth, mental health perspective, holy cow, I'm a different person. And thank God, you know, Mm -hmm. like, thank God we have that human ability to be able to grow and evolve in that change. But had I not had that two years of experience as a CEO versus what other people may have as 20 years CEO experience, you know, 
it doesn't mean that there wasn't a whole lot gained out of that. You know, am I going to be able to do the same level of things that a 20-year CEO, tenured person is going to have? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on what it is that you're looking for. But my ability and my capability to do what I did in that short period of time definitely demonstrates a capability to do more. So if mm -hmm. I'm able to do that and the way you're interviewing people, I think there's something there to be said about weighing out what is their growth potential. Amen, sister. That is like, I love that. Like we all, we all should be different people than they, than we were two years ago whenever we met um, because we're all hopefully continuously growing and learning and evolving to be better in, in whatever, in ourselves and whatever we do. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, so tell us about being a woman in the tech space at an executive level because tech space is, I mean, male dominated. So how is it? Is it, is it it's, tough? Or? It's crazy. So I, I, when I looked at this question and I started thinking about how all the different ways I could answer it, there was some interesting things that popped to mind. And then there was the, you know, the thing is, is I guess I never really considered myself any different than anybody else, you know? And I think that's, that's the part that you like, I may be a minority in the tech industry as a female executive, but damn, if you'd know it, you know, mm -hmm. like you definitely wouldn't, wouldn't feel like I, you know, whenever I sit at the table, I sit at the table just the same way that anybody else does. And I contribute in a way that is just as powerful. And I might be a little bit more articulate in some ways than some of my other counterparts, but, <laughs> or I might have a little bit more of a forceful opinion and things, but um, I don't think of myself as, you know, as a minority in the, in the industry from a female perspective, um, even though I, I'm much, I very much so am. Yeah. Um, I think one of the statistics I looked up whenever I was like questioning, should I be a female CEO and how, um, like how successful are tech CEOs, especially female ones. Anyways, the ratio and the percentage, and I found it stumbled across this percentage worldwide of women tech CEOs. Again, this was a couple of years ago, but it was like 13%. 13% wow. um, <clears throat> uh, are, are female tech CEOs worldwide. Like, wow. So I was like, that's kind of cool yeah, to be a part so of that cool, yeah. and to experience that level. Um so, yeah, but I think it's challenging for everybody, too. Um, it's easier for me to stand out than it is for the guys. True. You know? So yeah. I take that as a, a really big positive. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to forget me. Right? <laughs> I love how you just flip that around and say, no, it's, it's more of a positive thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's how we have to, I think that's how everybody has to leverage it is you take the negative, like even my mistakes, like I was saying earlier, own that vulnerability. You could be vulnerable in the fact that I'm the only woman at the board, or I could leverage that to my positive. Mm -hmm. And so. Absolutely. Turn your negatives into assets. I like That's it. right. I like it. Um, what advice then would you give since you've reached that C-level, whether it's tech or not, right? You're, you're there. Um, what advice can you share with other individuals who do want to grow to, to be in that CEO seat, right? No matter their race or gender, or whatever. I mean, is there anything you can share with them that helped you? I, so I've always wanted to be a people pleaser, you know, like I have, like at the heart of who I am. And that was a really super hard lesson for me over the course of the last two years, um, especially as you can't be everything to everyone. And 
you're not going to be liked all the time. <laughs> um, so if you have a sensitivity to that or you're not willing to overcome that, I'd say work on that first. Like that's going to be the first step is working on your mental health and your ability to know that you're not going to like, not everybody's going to love you. And the second piece of it is conformity. Don't do it. Um, just because a job description says that you have to have X, Y, and Z. I mean, okay, that a little bit is vague. I guess if you're a surgeon, please, (laughs) please have those credentials. Right. But you know, just because something says you need 10 years of tech experience doing this or you need to have 20 years doing that, if you want a position, there's nothing wrong with going after that and applying for that position and letting somebody know that you're interested in it and you're interested in the growth opportunities that are tied to it. That doesn't mean, you know, throw yourself into the deep end before you're really, really quite ready. Um, but you know what? Maybe you do. And just have a really good raft, you know, nearby. The, and that raft is, is surrounded yourself by, like, good, great mentors mm-hmm. and yeah. having really strong people to be able to rely on. Um, I think I admire people who have multiple degrees and who have went through college and who have done all of these achievements. I, I think that is amazing. Um, I just don't think that you have to have all of that in order to achieve your levels of success that you want. I think you can have both, but I think experience definitely trumps credentials and many occupations, but not as a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> have you always had this same like drive and just like will to you? Like, were you like that growing up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so my, my dad was like, you're either going to be a lawyer or you're going to be a salesperson, or you're going to be a, a you know in jail. <laughs> like you're, thanks, Dad. <laughs> he's like you're. You can justify anything, and your your drive is is always there. And it's true. Like I won't. That is, I will not give up. Um, I will not give up until I have really went through all of the different resources and made sure that this is like and not an opportunity anymore that we need to walk away from it and because there is a truth to sunken cost right and being able to walk away from something if it is a sunken cost and um and knowing when to cut your losses and what is going to define success for you and all that good jazz but yeah i don't i don't give up easy um i can see that i love that yeah you know i love your comment earlier about not worrying about being a people pleaser that's something that I feel like maybe I've recently, I don't know, within the last, I don't know, five years learned where I can't please everybody and I and I shouldn't want to because everybody wants innately just completely different things, right, from you. And you can't, you can't um, go around just trying to please them. You need to take care of yourself and figure out what you want. Yeah. And I mean, as a leader in a business, like if I went around trying to please my entire team and staff all the time and they loved me all the time, I can promise you the CEO of my company is going to say you're not doing your job Mm -hmm. because and that's not to say that people shouldn't be happy in their culture at work and enjoying what they do. But not everybody's perfect. And the job as a leader is to be able to help people see where we can improve and be able to grow in those areas. And that growth and being able to see those imperfections and the improvement that we need to do is sometimes quite uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for everyone. 
And you've got to embrace being uncomfortable. If you're not willing to embrace discomfort, and I mean really embrace it, like, like you've got to wrap your arms around yourself and love yourself and love discomfort in order to really be able to grow and accept those things. Okay, Kristen, you got to elaborate on that because that's, I think that's an awesome point. How do you really wrap your arms around discomfort? Like, what do you mean? Like, give me a, a solid example of a time. I know I'm, th- I'm throwing this at you, right? <laughs> but like, you know, help me and help, help the listeners understand, like, what does that mean? How do you, you know, you're, you're faced with something. How do you really like look it in the eye and be comfortable with that uncomfortableness so that you can get past it? In the, in the best possible way, whether you fail or not, but learn from it, right, if you fail. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> I think conflict, you know, right? Like, so conflict is a good example to use because that's something that right. everybody can relate to, and it's more vague than other <laughs> specific <laughs> examples. Um, but conflict resolution. And when you are, like, it is an uncomfortable situation when you are extremely passionate about something and you know um, definitively because the facts that you've gathered, X, Y, Z is does not equal ABC and you're not going to be able to accomplish whatever said strategy or whatever it is. But yet the other party is going to be is really pushing against that no matter what you have to do that you've got to wrap your arms around yourself at that point. And you also need to leverage your, your other people, right, in that kind of a situation. So in that situation, you're going to be leveraging your resources that you have surrounded around you to make sure that the decisions you're making and what you're communicating is accurate and, and, and effective. So in order to wrap yourself around and understand and, and embrace discomfort, you've got to be prepared to be wrong. You've got to be prepared to hear the facts from multiple different parties. And you've got to also be prepared for the fact that even if you are right, you might still be wrong. Meaning mm. that the other party still is going to win in some situations. And that might not be okay. That might not be fair. But that's life. And as my dad would always tell me, you better suck it up, buttercup. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be the way life is. So if you can't embrace that and accept that sometimes even when you're right, you're wrong and you shouldn't have let that affect your mental health, then like you need to really focus in on measures to be able to help that growth and that, that ability to be able to do that. I don't know if that all came out right. Yeah. But, it but, made sense completely. It was, but discomfort is a big part of, success because it's a part of failure right you know and you're not successful without a tremendous amount of failure right mm-hmm. I love Sarah that. Blakely is one of my absolute favorite she's like my spirit animal <laughs> um, and so for everybody else Sarah Blakely is the CEO founder of Spanx and she's just a awesome woman and one of her biggest points is how as a child she was growing up her father would make them embrace failure and talk about what they failed at every single day. And I thought when I heard that, wow, that is awesome. Like that is such a great way to raise your kids and such a great way to create a mindset that isn't resistant to failure. Because the mindset that I had all through growing up was, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to go for it, which has worked out, but it's created a lot of turmoil too from an accepting failure mental health perspective. 
And I thought, what a way to change and rewire your brain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To do that. Yeah, that makes sense because, I mean, our kids in school, they get if they get a failing grade, it's bad and they're mm-hmm. punished. And instead, you should really look at that in a different light, right? I mean, to your point, you can't have, you know, success and growth without that failure component. Yeah. And gosh, I like that a lot. I might implement that in my in my family dinners, like, what did you fail at today? <laughs> and, and yeah, you just open it up because, like, if you get a failing grade, okay, all right, so you did it, you failed. So what are we going to do about that? How are we going to, what's our comeback? Yeah. I love a good comeback, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, those are the best stories ever, right? I love it. Do you think that being a CEO or being a leader in in whatever role that you've been in has, has um changed how you are at home like to your oh my god son and family um that two years and the experience that that was for me from a personal perspective is not anything that I ever would take back but it is something that has changed what my definition of success is and how I will treat and communicate with my family in a way that there is nothing else that could have taught me that lesson. There is no one, there's no book, not even Sarah Blakely, there's <laughs> nobody that could have told me you're, you know, like you're sacrificing something, you know, that doesn't seem like superficial, but it actually is pretty superficial for something that is like, that's what life's all about. You know, mm-hmm. um, so how I communicate and how I was communicating and versus how I am now. I mean, I still got a lot of room for improvement and, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. But that is definitely something that's more done with a lot more intention. Right. So I don't know if you have any other questions. No, but go ahead, go ahead. So going back, so we met two years ago at Industrious. Whenever we were all working there, we were just starting Next Path and you were... Um, CEO, and we sat right across the hallway, and we have these glass walls, so we can, like, see right in there, and I remember just, like, you were so, like, down-to-earth, cool, and it was just like, wow, like, this is amazing, like, she is just, like, so like so successful approachable approachable. and I think we all just like looked up to you and we're just like wow she's got it all Mm -hmm. and I remember you know just being in there and getting happy hours and like she's cool like Mm -hmm. we could be totally friends with her (laughs) that is like that means so much because like what I felt like when I was going through that time so on the other side of that which is cool because I get to hear what you guys thought is like I would look in on your guys's office and you guys are always having fun (laughs) and it looks like it was just such a good atmosphere of people and and I'm like grinding and I mean not to say that nobody you know you guys weren't grinding you're grinding in your own way but I was like um it was just it was such a hard time for me too whenever I look back to where I was and what I was so focused on and so damn determined that we were going to do you know but that means so much to me yeah and I would have never known that you know, I, I think I didn't learn that until after, whenever we went to lunch, talking to you after the fact, um, how stressful it was and, you know, what everything that you were going through because you made it seem easy. You made it seem like Aww. you had it all, like, yeah. perfectly under control and everything was perfect. And I'm going to make sure certain people hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, looking from the outside in, you, you, you put on a very... 
I was just very, very impressed. And you were always at the happy hours. You were still there, and you were still, like, you know, present and talked to everyone. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. That is that is really super awesome to hear. Like that just that just goes to show that even when stuff is going on, like you can you can work through it and mm-hmm. and put on a good impression. Yeah. So yeah. So we have some questions, like fun questions, fun. rapid fire. Yeah. All right. So try to answer in Let a me couple. Take a sip of my drink. <laughs> <laughs> like a sentence or less. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep it brief. Um, so and these are just fun random. Yeah, have fun with it. Yeah. Okay. No stress. So what would you name your boat if you had one? Well, the first thing that came to mind isn't actually what I named my boat, but it's Dolores, and it's based off of Westworld. But I just love Dolores. Um, I don't know if anybody watches Mm -mm. Westworld, but it's an awesome HBO show. No, I'm going to have to check that out. That's what I named my car, and that's why immediately when you said that, I just thought Dolores came to my mind. Love it. So Dolores in Westworld, is she a certain character? Yeah, she's the powerhouse um, robot character, you know, that is basically either she's trying to save the world or end the world. I don't know. Oh, okay. I like that. Okay, I'm going to add that to my list. My list. Um, okay, so since you're in tech, I think this would be a fun question. What will finally break the internet? <laughs> right now, it feels like COVID, <laughs> um, the election, <laughs> and all of just the civil unrest that's going on. Like, I feel like if, if the internet can survive 2020 and we can too, then hey, <laughs> nothing will break it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What talents do you possess that not a lot of people know about? Oh. Um. <laughs> well, I can, I guess one of the things, I don't know if it's a talent, but I can do my three to five mile run and then not feel guilty about eating tacos and donuts. Um, yes. Pretty, that, you know, that is a talent. That pretty, is. Pretty much, like... I don't know that that's super big, awesome talent. No, that is good. I mean, just to run three to five miles is that's a, a talent. talent. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I say so. think that's a good one. All right. So which, um, no, no, no. I wanted to ask you this one because you brought up your dad. On a scale of one to ten, like how strict were your parents when you were growing up? Mm, that shifted as <laughs> I got old, like how old I was. Um but they probably weren't strict enough. So I would say like a level three um, is where it really was around. Um, one being the lowest, ten yeah, being the highest. One being the lowest, three being there. And that was at the end, like teenage, it's three because of defeat. Defeat. Uh, you just, finally would just, now. Just defeat. Um, I think at earlier stages it would have been a whole lot more strict, like probably on the eight mm-hmm. range of things. You know, I have a military family background, but my – personality and my willpower is stronger than that military background (laughs) (laughs) so it won which isn't necessarily a good thing i was going to ask if you tested like since they since they were out of three did you take advantage of the less strictness or did oh i was always taking advantage okay i'm a very opportunistic person Um, and I was definitely taking advantage. I remember one point where it was, we're just going to consider putting, uh, motion sensors outside your window type stuff. And oh, I geez. said, that's fine. You can do that. I'll just go out the front door. Oh, just right um, out the front door. 
so at that point it was like okay maybe we just need to invest in like self-defense and you know tools to help her be safe if she's you know gonna do whatever she wants to do that's smart yeah Yeah. we we might be taking this part out but i'll share with you um (laughs) so we used to sneak out of the house and we had like an alarm system and there were um, does your mom know this i don't know know she's listening i know she's definitely (laughs) listening so you know the little magnetic things on the windows like one connected to the window part that moved up and up and down and the other one was like on the frame we would take off the magnet off of the moving part of the window and stick it back onto the frame that moved that didn't move right so you take it off put it on so that was together but not um, still attached to that moving window part so we'd be able to just sneak out anytime we wanted without the alarm going off yeah yeah that that was that's crafty see my my level of craftiness got to um, when I was in the basement, which I got, I mean, I got my door removed, you know, a couple <laughs> times, lo- losing privacy and stuff like that. But when I was on good behavior and I was living in the finished basement, I would flush the toilet before I opened the walkout basement door so that you wouldn't hear any creaks Makes as sense. I went out. And it worked. It, it did. It worked. Or he just let me get away with it. I don't know. Right. I don't think he would have let me get away with it, though. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. That was yeah. good. Yeah, you know, it's so funny how you just, you create rules, but everyone gets around them. There's always some sort of a loophole. Which as a mom now, that's absolutely freaking terrifying me because my child is going to, he already is serving it up to me, you know, and he's three. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm in for it. Hey, at least we've like done some... Some some things, right? We figured some things out to where maybe well, they won't be able to. I don't know. I don't know about not being able to. We just won't be surprised. Right. With the level of craftiness that they come up with. <laughs> um, so kind of a, a different, you know, turn on the questions. What was the last gift that you gave someone? Um. So it was my mother's birthday. She just turned 65 on August 4th. So happy oh, birthday. Happy birthday. And I got her, um, one of my neighbors has, she does all these awesome small businesses. Like she has one that's like um, where she makes crafts and hand paints things. So she has these hand painted um, pillows and she'll put the latitude and longitude of a place for you on it and whatnot. And so I had one of those made for my mom and it's Hannah Park, um, which is just on the east coast of Florida. Um north of Jacksonville I think and that place is very special to my mom because that was a place that her and my father used to go to um, when they were you know in their 20s and Aww, 30s all the that's time. cute and so I just had that actually made for her oh that's, that's very sweet. thoughtful yeah that is very thoughtful we have to ask this last question um, if you could compare yourself to any animal what would it be and why mm-hmm. I love this question because it it goes into like psychology mm-hmm. and well, when he first asked that, I thought about my husband and what he would be. But I won't answer that because that would be But I think eagle. I think like a bird, like like an eagle that soars above everything else. I think at one point in time I would say a rhino or like a tiger or a lion or something aggressive. But what I really realized was um, those aggressive ones that are like the rhinos in the room or a bull in the china shop, you right. know. Like there's something elegant about being able to soar above it all. So mm-hmm. even when you're even when you're right, when you're wrong, being able to fly above it all. Right. Yeah. I love that. 
I was just in Yellowstone last week and uh. saw, <clears throat> saw an eagle. And I just remember like staring at it like, wow, what a beautiful creature. And it's so just like, just majestic. And it just stood there like on a tree branch and everyone was just staring at it. And it was just like, I don't know. It's just an amazing creature, just like beautiful and mystic and something regal. Like, yes, it. very like, regal. very, just I don't know, mm-hmm. sophisticated, right? I like that one. Above it all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if that doesn't sum up, you know, the lessons learned and the experience that I have, you know, like I don't think there's anything else that can sum it up any better. Love it. I love it. Well, I don't have any other questions. Rapid fire questions. Is, is there anything else you want to add, Ash? Or no, I mean, we can Kristen. sit here all day. And I know. Get some great content from you, Kristen. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but thank you so much for coming in, talking with us, sharing your knowledge and your experiences. Um, I feel like, I mean, so many people, you know, can look up to you and, and everything that you've achieved that it just, I'm so happy that you were able to share that. Yeah. Thank and, you for having me. Yeah. Thank and you. like, if there's, if anybody out there that's listening to this wants to connect and just wants advice from somebody, like that's my favorite thing to do is just being a mentor and giving people guidance, like above the passion that I have for what I do and what I get to do at can time. I like to help people. So I'm, I'm happy to connect with people. Awesome. Yeah. If anyone has questions for Kristen, let us know and um, we can forward them over to you and just anyone if you just want to connect with Kristen, we can always share. Um, but thank you so much to Next Path as well for you know helping this all happen in the Tampa Bay Wave for having us here. And any questions can be directed to um, live bold and boss up at Gmail. Love to take them. And until next time, live bold and boss up, babes. This is a place for my head quick fix on Radio Influence. As stressful as it is for you, sit down and talk to your kids about what's going on. You know, make they sure that they're understand. in a good place. Make sure mentally, you know, that they're they're strong and they're hanging in there as as well as you want them to. Because you know, a lot of kids don't know how to express when they're stressed out and you know not not dealing with things as well as they need to be. Um, and they don't understand what they're what they're feeling. Right. I can't. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah. So if they don't understand if, what, if it, yeah, if, yeah, if they don't understand what they're feeling and they don't understand what's going on, how do you, how do you want them to stay sane in this this crazy ass time? We all have to remember depression and all that stuff and mental illness is 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 not a choice. It's a, it's 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 a disease and it's dangerous. And kids that have it early on, um, I guess, like myself, if that's true. Uh, don't know what to do with it until it becomes too late or too much of an issue. So, you know, I'd just be really cognizant of that and pay attention to what's going on and talk to your kids. And if they're five or if they're 12 or if they're 18, same thing. Like, talk to them. Figure out what's going on. Make sure they're good. A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.